All right, it's been a minute, but we are back. And on the third episode of Reminisce Some Time, I talked to Caveman, uh, proper name Matt Howells, about his experience at Camp Westmont, a uh, summer camp in upstate Pennsylvania, um, close to the New York border, a place where both Matt and I spent good chunk of our time in our 20s and uh, we basically just reminisce chat about different stories um, about what it's like being a foreigner um, at an American summer camp and uh, just go through our our memories and recollections of events Um, I was only on the the zero percent beers but I really enjoyed this chat with Matt just uh, a look back at at those years and sort of how much it changed us so without further ado enjoy my discussion with caveman matt howells all right we are here with the artist formerly known as caveman he's uh, coming to me live (laughs) where are you right now bro tell us I'm up in Port Douglas at the moment. Um, so I'm, I'm in your Douglas? country at the moment. Well, I'm from New Zealand, so it's not my country, but we both live oh, in not Australia. Your country. Oh, I yeah. thought you were an Aussie. <laughs> nah, nah, I'm from New Zealand. I've been here 10 years. You've been here how long now? I've been here three and a half years now. Yeah. Down Whole under, mate. During Down COVID under. as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's one thing I don't like about Australia is COVID. I don't know if the rest of the world has heard about this COVID thing, but down in Australia, wow, you're not even allowed outside. <laughs> <laughs> so you moved to Port Douglas how long ago? Just a few months ago? Yeah, I've been been uh, been up here for nine months now. So oh, beautiful. I started off in Melbourne, did yeah, good two and a half years in Melbourne. I uh, was there all last year during the lockdowns and. Uh, yeah, I came up here to see a couple of friends and not left since. But um, I am back down in Melbourne uh, a week's time, actually. Yeah, so we'll have to go and get a beer. We will. We'll have to finally do that. We've talked about it for two and a half years. <laughs> um, and, and you're going to go back to England or you want to stay in Australia? Oh, I'll, I'll hang around for a few more months and then slowly make my way back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah that is the time. plan. Nice. Well, I don't have a plan, but... well. We've been wanting to do this for a long time, Matt. I've been sort of on your case. You're in and out. You're a social butterfly. You're hard to catch. But I've always wanted to do a podcast about Camp Westmont. Um, That is our common ground. Um, I was there 2003, and then I took about a four-year break, broke up with the girlfriend, and I forgot how much I didn't like it the first time. I really didn't like it because I was like 18, and it was very difficult when you're young. Oh, your first time you didn't like? Nah, I don't. I mean, it's, it's absence makes the heart grow fonder, or something like that. I think, and then. Ah, oh, mate, I'm the same. I hated the first year. Did you? <laughs> yeah, I was exactly the same the first year. Yeah, I left Camp Westmont the first year, and I thought, yeah, I doubt I'll come back here. And uh, you know, then I had a friend there who convinced me to come back, and yeah, then I ended up doing an eight-year stint. Yeah! Wow. Wow. And it, and what, like after that first year, what did you not like about it? Were you 18 at the time or not? No, that was actually my second camp. Um, the first year I went to, I went through Camp America, 2009, worked at a Jewish summer camp in Michigan called Tamarack. 
And honestly, it was it was one of the best things I'd ever done in my life. Went with my best mate from home. It was quality. Um, then the second year, he decided not to go back. And, you know, it got quite late. And I thought, well, I might try something new. And I got, I randomly got placed uh, at Westmont, actually, as the um, canoe instructor, uh, taking canoe trips out on the Delaware River. So, um yeah, it was, it was like I just left fate to decide for me and, uh, yeah, landed at Camp Westmont 2010. So what happened? Like you were, you'd signed up at the previous camp and then you just said, I'll go again and you just got put in that lottery kind of thing where they place your skills with a camp that needs them? Yeah, pretty much. I think the first year they trained me to be canoe instructor. Uh, they trained me as a lifeguard and... You know, that was that was a great summer, but um, my best mate wasn't going back, and I just thought, you know, I'll try something different. So, um, yeah, I got, got placed at Westmont. Yeah, it's fantastic. And Sorry, so second year at Westmont, first year at Westmont you hated it, or first year at in Michigan you hated it? I was actually at Westmont the first year, yeah, Okay, so, so, you, you, so first year you loved yeah, it? Yeah, it's weird. It was, it was a good summer, but... And what was it you didn't like? Was it the strictness, or was it what the rules, or what? Now, I think a lot of it was the dynamics because I, I never get the feeling that, like, I never get the feeling people like me when they first meet me. So when I went to the camp before with my best mate, you know, like everyone saw, you know, we'd have fun. I'd make some jokes and stuff. Everyone understood because he'd laugh. Went to Westmont, <laughs> crack a few jokes. People think I'm being serious, dude. So, um, yeah, I think, yeah, even though I had a good time, I just felt like I didn't fit in so much socially, I guess. But, um, you know, story of my and life. So you did enough, obviously, to get back the second year? Yeah, I, I honestly, I can't remember what happened the second year. I'm pretty sure it's because one of my friends, Mickey, persuaded me to go back. So I hit back there. And, um, yeah, I think we'd, we'd spent a lot of time together because, as you're probably aware, after camp, Ross usually gets some international staff to stay back and, you know, build something or fix some roofs. Um do, do the crappy jobs that, you know, Tom, Bobby and Bill and that don't want to do, paint the fences and stuff. So, um, yeah, we, we stayed back the first year for over two months and, you know, we, we, we got to know each other really well and then we went travelling um, after. And then, yeah, I think it was just a case of the following year, um, you know, I thought I'll give it another go. Um, you know, as as I'll be like a second yearer then, so you know, kind of has that more of a cool factor to it. It does, it does, man. I agree with that. That's the second year you go back, you sort of a bit more of a big deal. Yeah, exactly. I think you know what the story is, and all the other foreigners go, "What's happening here?" You know, when when Fred used to tell us about the, you know, you'll be on the bus. You knew not to take him too seriously. You weren't so. <laughs> You remember those stories? Uh, you remember he'd say, you'll be on the bus? Yeah. I, me- I remember all of them. The first day I rocked up and Fred's giving a talk and it's just like, you know, he's saying, um, telling us about stories that they used to do, you know, back in the day. It's like, you know, used to be able to give kids wedgies. Can't do that no more. <laughs> <laughs> you know, getting all those sort of talks yeah. on what you used and to be able to man. do. And, uh, you know, I think that's the thing, though. You know, looking looking back at camp, like it's probably things that that I did in my first year 
And then by 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 the time I got to my eighth year, you know, oh, you can't do that sort of stuff anymore because you know, oh, 100%, a kid hurt himself 100%. or whatever. Yeah, definitely. I I, th- I think yeah, about I bet that. there's stuff that you got up to as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I remember, yeah, I remember crazy stuff. I remember doing, running at the doorway with a, with a, uh, uh, it's called a broom handle and you just clothesline yourself and we'd put, you know, you, you'd run towards the doorway with a uh, broom handle that was too long for the door and you just pull them, KO yourself over backwards. You can't do that anymore. I wouldn't. Oh, <laughs> uh, no. That's Can we epic, talk man. about this? <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, I mean, I, I, I think what I, the reason I sort of wanted to get you, um, I, I, I'm not going to call you caveman because I don't remember you as caveman because I never met you at camp. We missed by one year. You just call me cave if that's uncomfortable. Cave. <laughs> <laughs> but I, my last year was 2009, and I sort of got the talk yeah. from my dad. He said, you know, this is your last last summer, boy, then you're coming back and getting a job. So that was where it landed. <laughs> um, and then obviously I missed out on crossing over with you. But we, well, I'm not sure how you feel. But I certainly felt like I was influential <laughs> in my time there. Um, you rose through the ranks from the, you know, first year kayak instructor and ended up being a general. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Is it, do you have fond memories of that or you didn't want it or? Oh, yeah, I, I wanted it. And I think a lot of the people who you talk to at camp, they, they knew that, you know, it's like I was like, you know, in my 20s and I was an adult, but I still wanted it. And I think the um, the other general on the other team was Tony Alberti. And, you know, Tony Tony's, you know, Tony went to camp. Um, he was a counsellor. And, you know, now now he's back at camp with his kid, you know. So, um, AJ, so he sort of felt so, a bit out of place. Yeah, I think he was at this, like that point as well where he'd already – I think Tony back in the day was a lieutenant, but he wanted to be general, you know, and just – you know, he was a group leader at the time. And, you know, I was, I was like, yeah, I want to be – yeah, I've been coming to camp all these years. I want to be general as well. I didn't even know, like, internationals could be general. So I thought – it was a case of you had to be at camp for at least five years. There certainly isn't many internationals over the years. There's not many. So that's a respect to you in that case. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you something, actually. Did, did you ever do any colour war positions or anything? No, I didn't, no. I, I, uh, <laughs> I must admit, I thought I was a chance multiple years, and I was like, I'm going to get the nod here, I'm going to get the nod, I'm going to get the midnight visit or whatever, or you know how the – how the myths go, they they tell you all these stories and you're going to get a visit from somebody in the middle of the night. And I was like, I'm a chance here. And then next morning I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll tell you a funny story about that actually because I, I get the feeling that at the start of the summer, I think Ross knew that I wanted to be general. And, you know, I get the feeling he pulled me into the office and he gave me a little talk. And I thought he was basically saying, look, like love your work, but you know I just, I just can't make you general, you know. So I just thought, okay, not really going to think of it. But you know, I, I had a had a few of the campers who um, I do week weekend review every week, and one one of the kids in in the division would put you know caveman for general in the in it, and you know I, I was doing like this secret campaign. Um, wasn't doing it as all the kids. 
they were all, you know. Yeah, anyway, yeah, 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 right. The, the, re, the, the, the sort of time when I knew I was general was I was sort of walking, I was just walking along outside the office and it was right before, right before, um, right before Color War. And you know when they do all these fake breaks, they had some ice cream van come onto camp and all the kids are running over and Ross just comes up to me and goes, you ought to be careful what you wish for. <laughs> and then he just walked off. And yeah. it was that moment I, I knew what he was yeah. talking about. And then <laughs> I remember uh, Jason Elias was just like, Cave, you've been chosen as general tonight at nine o'clock, straight after evening activity. I want you to walk out the back gate and wait there to be picked up. So I was like, oh, okay. Anyway, um, is it's very hard for me to kind of sneak off camp at around nine o'clock because, you know, I've, I'm packing up even activity. Um, you know, I, I'd like, you know, Robbie was, you know, tr- wanting to meet up and I said, oh, I've got to finish packing up even activity. He's like, oh, I'll come and help you do it. And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, it's cool. I'll do it. You go to you go to the point without me. It's fine. Anyway, I go out the back gate at like nine o'clock and it's pitch black. Out by the horses there, was it? Yeah, out by the horses. And it's pitch black. And I thought, there's there's a bear's going to come out and attack me here. So I started singing a song. I can't remember what it was. But just so, you know, to scare the bears away. And I waited about 10, 15 minutes. And this black car pulls up. And uh, the window comes down. And it's jar inside. And he, he was the uh, football coach at camp. He's like, okay, get in. So we, we drove to some bar. Um, I want to say a starlight. I can't remember what bar oh, it was. Like. So you went miles we drove away. Out to so you went miles bar. away. Yeah, we had we had to get away from like where all the counselors may be and stuff. So um, yeah, we drove out there, and honestly, like that was one of the most fun nights of my life. It was just so exciting, and you know, you're doing the draft, choosing who you want on your team, first picks, and you know. Honestly, that was <laughs> like that was so much fun. That was the best bit of Color War. The rest was just hell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I can't. I can't imagine it. I can't imagine having much energy to stand up on the chairs and stuff as much fun. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I, you're bringing you're bringing memories back for me right now, bro. And one of the things that I always remember was that. I I was a Boy Scout, right? Like I was a fire guy. That was what I was known for. You know, I in my head I have this thing that I broke the Mars Kettle record. Who knows how true that is? Probably not. But in my head I was like, you always get picked first if you're a fire guy. Is that true or not? Yeah. Well, for me, I think it was my second year at camp. Who was your first pick? Oh, what, for... For Color War, oh, my first pick was, yeah, my first pick was a girl called Emily Knott, and she did the um, the plaque. Yeah, okay, yeah. And you won or not? Um, honestly, like, I thought hers was absolutely incredible. But, yeah, the way the judges scored it, it didn't win. But, honestly, like, it was it was fantastic. Um, for me, that, that won. But, you know, I mean, depends who's judging it at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you know, exactly. Is yeah. Color War judged fairly? Because it's you know all very yeah. close all the way to the end. Every every year <laughs> ever, it's the closest Color War ever. That's for sure. Oh, every year it get, just gets closer and closer. <laughs> yeah, it all, it always comes down to the Apache relay, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. And then the fire guy was somewhere in the mix there. He got second or third pick or something like that? No, I, th- I think I did the fire actually. Yourself? Yeah, yeah. Come on. Nice. You can't have anyone but the caveman coaching the fire. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, I have amazing memories of the fire. Just if it's a similar buzz to you. Like I wasn't the general. I didn't get that experience of doing the draft or anything. But when you, you, know, you know what it's like. You know, those kids are like – crying you know it's a culmination of 15 10 years of their life kind of thing the fire's been real hectic they've got smoke in their eyes and they're jumping in the pool afterwards and they're you know they're as in love with each other as they've ever been right and that's cool to be part of that oh yeah definitely so so you got right in the fire then yeah i mean i i i, I from memory like i was i wasn't obviously building it but i was certainly like right in on the fire saying put this there put this there and we won, and then and you know everybody cuddles and hugs and Popeye circle, and then into the swimming pool to cool off. It was just you know just a real emotion filled night kind of thing. I remember. Yeah, I mean, out of out of every color war activity, I think rope burn and Moscow are definitely my number one. Yeah, yeah, same, definitely. I mean, I'm not good at soccer or volleyball, so. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's just something as well. Like, it's just something that people wouldn't really do in England either, I guess. And it's cool. Like, it's not every day, you know, you get you get a team of people that, you know, doing something. And obviously, the kids see it as really dangerous. And they've heard stories about, you know, this and that. And, you know, obviously, it is actually really dangerous. But, you know, you try and make it safe as possible and you know the the adrenaline that goes through that night as well and when you're near the fire there's all that heat um you know and you know as soon as those ropes burn and that kettle boils like it's it's a phenomenal feeling like the kid like i would i would have loved to have gone through that as a kid that would have been awesome yeah definitely and i think that one of the other things with it is that like there's always like an unlikely hero you know, it's not that like big jock kid who's the beast in the fire. It's often this unsung kid. I love that about it. Like in my year, we had like Eric Zuckerman, Jackie Zuckerman's son, and he was in the fire and he was just a beast, right? Just like going so much harder than everyone else, burning his eyebrows off, being the hero. And the whole, you know, he's not the basketball guy. He's not the hero of anything else, but he's the hero of the fire on that one night, which was epic. Well, Jaggy has very intelligent genes as well. No, no, I've, I've certainly seen them go on to be like <laughs> ducks of everything, valedictorian. I, I have seen that. I, I do see the uh, irony in my comment, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. What was your uh, – let's finish on Color War, actually. We sort of started at the end, but that's cool. So, like, you, overall years, like, what was the one that you are involved in, the best Color War you had, or it was actually pretty tiring, or how did you feel about it? Yeah, I, I wouldn't say the color war when I was general. I wouldn't say that was the hardest color war. I feel like it should have been, but I'm um, I'm usually I'm usually someone that get likes to get get their hands dirty, and obviously during color war, you're as as general. You know, it's more delegating. You know, people to certain tasks and that, and you know, usually I'd 
maybe work a bit on the building project, a bit on scenery, you know, staying up all night. Yeah, and just just that sort of stuff, really. And I find I find them sort of jobs a lot a lot more intense. But yeah, like general was intense as well because I I was always under this sort of impression of if there's people gonna stay up till like three four in the morning then i'll stay up as well you've got to you've got to you've got to do the same yeah yeah you gotta sort of motivate people and you know there's there's no way there's no way someone's sleeping while or no way no way i'm sleeping while other people are working so was howie was howie fox there the year you were there howard was there in 2010 yeah, yeah, he was always good at colour. I remember he was always hardcore on the scenery. Oh yeah, yeah. I think he'd retired by uh, by the yeah, time I probably, started. Probably, yeah, probably. He he took it easy. <laughs> did, did a bit of did a bit of uh, ga ga coaching or something. <laughs> did my time. Your turn now. Nice. Yeah, fair enough, man. Fair enough. What else did you used to do during colour scenery or building? Um, or? Nah, nah. I, I, I was more like Howard, certainly. I, I, uh, I don't know how I'd describe it, but I enjoyed the social side too much, so I'd be sort of a floater. <laughs> I, I'd be just doing the coaching during the day and um, just trying to have fun, mainly. I think I, the thing that I always got near Colour War was that Colour War, I never loved Colour War, and the reason for that was I knew that it meant the beginning of the end. So all this awesome time we'd been having, I knew it was coming to an end when Colour War started. So it'd always be it would be bittersweet where I'd be like, oh man, you know, whatever it was, like I'm in love with that chick and she's going to be leaving soon. Or yeah, it's like you you have that week of big trip week where everyone takes it easy. You go on all these nice trips. I still never really went on a big trip because I was always sort of required at camp for other things. But yeah, everyone had like this chill time, and then it's just straight into color war, and it's like going from zero to 60 in three seconds and oh, it's crazy and then color ends and you're sort of like ah oh, we've got two days to hang around and tidy up and that's a bit depressing i remember yeah the, the night color war ends is good though and for the kids you know they're all tired they'll just go to sleep and then for the all the staff and that if you can go down to the, the you know down to the bar and have a couple of drinks and you know it's just like that that sweet moment where you're like, wow, we just survived color war. <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> nice. If we look at the whole summer, like, and I know it changes every year, but what's your like idea, ideal evening activity? What are you sort of, which ones did you evening like? Activity? Poor. Yeah. We have some good evening activities, like some very questionable, but yeah, on the whole, we have some good ones, and I, I don't know. Did you did you ever see Nancy Tucker? No, not from memory. But what did she do? Yes, yeah, so she was an underdog. I remember we had Nancy Tucker one year. I can't remember the first year I saw Nancy Tucker, but I I would always set up all the evening activities. So I'd get all the speakers up, put them all outside. Nancy Tucker comes along. She's got a guitar. She's singing, and you know all the kids turn up. And I just remember she started singing these weird songs and, you know, I, I didn't get it. And I was like, oh, like, you know, this is just like, you know, one of these evening activities that, you know, why am I here? So I, I went off and, uh, you know, I missed, missed the whole show, you know. I don't know what I did, but I, I went off somewhere after I'd set up and came back at the end and packed it all up. Anyway, I, I 
didn't really think anything of it. And then the next year, I'm setting up this evening activity. And uh, I think it was Freema told me that, you know, Nancy Tucker was booked in. And I thought, oh, Nancy Tucker? Hmm. I, I remember that. Wasn't a fan. La, 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 la. Anyway. <laughs> I'll skip again. Yeah, I, yeah, I, that's what I thought. And then the kids start coming in with all these signs saying, we love you, Nancy. And, like, the hype around camp for Nancy Tucker coming along was just insane. And I was like, what was I missing? Is this, like, some American, American like... Yeah, is it, is it like, fish or something? Yeah, I, I just didn't even know what it was. I remember seeing these kids being, like, fanatical about... Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember. Like fish, fish is a band. These are love. Yeah, like, and... Who the fuck is fish? I still don't get it. But... <laughs> yeah, um... it's, it's weird when you just don't get something. And you know, I thought, well, I'll stay for a bit because you know, I think it was raining or something. And she starts off with all these, you know, weird songs that she's made up. And I'm just like, ah, oh, it's like watching a kids show or something. And then she just transitions all of a sudden and she like starts doing pop songs and literally every kid is up dancing and singing. And I was like, wow, she is a performer. Like she is an actual incredible performer. And honestly, she blew me away. And then every year of camp since then, you know, as soon as I hear Nancy Tucker, I'm like, I'm the first one in, into the gymnasium. Yeah. This is it. You tell, tell all your new foreign friends to get along for this one because it's epic. Yeah. Just like, just give it 10 minutes. Trust me, at first, you won't get it. Yeah. But then you'll get yeah. it. <laughs> then you'll get it. I think it's just the same as anything, bro. When there's like high energy and everyone's just loving each other, it's always a good buzz. Like the dancing's on and, yeah, that's always good. Do they still do the hypnotism? Oh, Brad Henderson. Yeah, the names are the names are fully beyond me, but I remember. Yeah, I think he comes like every couple of years. I remember one year, Rich Rich uh, Rich Rose faked that he got hypnotized. So oh, he, did he? he got up there, pretended to go under, and then just just carried on like a lunatic. But he was just straight. Really? Oh. Yeah, you could imagine Rich doing that, right? I don't know, because it's, it's weird because you know how you work with these people for two months at a time, and when when Brad Henderson, the hypnotist, comes, you know, he'll, he'll pick some people, and some of these people are really shy, and, you know, you've got to know them over the eight weeks of the summer. He hypnotizes them, and you're like, they start doing crazy stuff, like rolling on the floor, barking like a dog, like putting an actual shoe in their mouth and, you know, doing all sorts of crazy stuff, like kissing a balloon and, you know, and you just think, wow, like I know this person well enough that they're not willingly doing that, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I do wish I could get hypnotized. Right? Did you ever go under? Nah, nah. I mean, I... They didn't do it to you? I tried, I tried, but I'm just too... I think you have to be of a certain mindset, and I'm too cynical. So I was just like, ah, this guy won't get me. And because I say he won't get me, he didn't get me. So I couldn't get hypnotized. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> yeah, it's it's kind of weird giving someone that control. I would have liked to be. Did you do it? Oh, no, there's no way I'd do that. <laughs> After the first year seeing people do that, I was just like, absolutely no way. But, yeah, that's definitely one of the best evening activities. I've got some hilarious videos. Yeah, and I, I I can't remember the other ones really, but 
I'm the same as you. Sometimes I love them. I found I found a lot of joy in like a lot of the just small group stuff. So you know, I get you know those sort of filler ones when it's like later in the summer and you just go right. Popeyes are just doing a you know campfire by the lake. I used to really enjoy those. And we get um, you know we get a guy Matt Gordner come along who used to play a bit of guitar and um, and we just just jam out acoustic, have some marshmallows. That was always good. Um, I think just to sort of cement, you know, it sounds a bit cheesy, but like cement the brotherhood kind of thing. We would spend some quality time together, ones like that. And then I think as a counsellor, you always enjoyed ones where you were the centre stage as well. Like it was always a good time doing counsellor volleyball, you know, USA alien soccer. I did like that, even though I wasn't, didn't, I never got any game time. It was still, still fun to see your boys and your girls play. I've got one for you. Go. Did you ever dress up for Miss Westmont? <laughs> I did, my man. I did. 2003, I did it. Um, <laughs> my first year. Yeah. Were you beautiful? I was beautiful, yeah. I had a hairy chest already by then. <laughs> no, it was good. A girl a girl called Jess um, from New Zealand was the, was my makeup artist. And Jordana Malloy helped her. So a few, few veterans there. Um, yeah, no, that was good. I, I'm, I'm, I'm all about that, eh? a bit of fun. They still do that? I think that's that's one of the things that's sort of being cancelled now. That's what I would think, exactly, yeah. Yeah, they didn't do it my last year of camp, I remember that. Um, no longer appropriate. But, yeah, I, I, I got dragged into it one year, I think. I would always say no to stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I don't know why I agreed on my – I think it was my second last year, so that would have been about 2016. Yeah, I think, uh, I think, yeah, I somehow got dragged into doing that. I don't know. It's, it's kind of hard when, you know, you get all these kids come looking for you and then they're like, oh, can you just – I mean, I've always – I've never been – and I think this stems from my first camp I was at – like their whole mentality was like, you know, if the kids wants to do something and, you know, that's within, you know, the scope of what we do, you know, it's your job to do it. And, uh, you know, so a lot of the time I'd always sort of have that. So if a kid wanted to do something, wanted to do a sport or wanted to do this, that, I'd always, you know, be like, yeah, sure, like I'll, I'll help you out, I'll do this with you, you know. Because, um, you know, at the end of the day I just think, you know, we're, we're sort of there to make their summer the best it can be. So, Was the programming like massively different between the two different camps in terms of the 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 rigidity and the strictness around it or was it quite similar between the two camps you went to? No, I think I think the first one I went to was a lot more stricter, a lot, a lot more rules. But, yeah, I mean, the amount of fun you have, you know, at the end of the day, you're a kid's summer camp. They're both they're both going to be really fun, whatever happens. So, yeah, it was, it was just two different experiences, totally different experiences, you know. Yeah. One thing that I always remember, and it was always quite hard for me, like as, I don't know, as a New Zealander or whatever, where what you got told to do, you would do, was, was like the, all right, we're going to the lake. And then, like, the kids would just refuse, and you'd be like, all right, we're not going to the lake, you know, rather than like get your ass to the lake, kids. We just ended up, we just not go to the lake. And that was always hard. Like, <clears throat> I, as, a, as, as, a, as a me, I was like, man, if I was 15, I'd love to go to the lake. But oh, yeah. instead they'd rather, yeah, these kids would rather sit around playing, playing blackjack or something. 
Well, I think when when they're when they're really young, you know, they'll just run down to the lake and jump in. But yeah, I think as soon as they get to the more teenager ages, you know, they're more they're more about you know want to dress up nice and you know they want to hang yeah, out at night. Yeah, chuck, chuck the, on some you know, chuck on some cologne or something. Yeah, I remember. I mean, I, that, that's true, bro. Because my only experience was with Popeyes. I was Popeyes all four years. So you know, whatever, whatever the age group that was, fourteen, fifteen. Oh, you got it good. <laughs> well, some might say, right? Yeah, I didn't have any. I didn't have any wet beds, but at the same time, like I had kids staying up till midnight every night for two months, right? So it's hard to get sleep. <laughs> you know what it's like. You're up there as well. Yeah. What was your best day off, uh, caveman? Like, let's say Four. let's say you can do whatever you want. You got the money. You got the you got the keys to the kingdom. Ross is giving you a van. Where are you going? Wow, you know what I used to do on a lot of my days off because at, at camp I would just get people contact me all the time like, "Where's cave? Where's cave? We need cave to do this." La la, and literally I couldn't even sit down, and um. It's crazy. Go, going back to like a really time when I was really busy, I was in a bunk. It was actually it was in Popeyes. Can't remember what year it was with. I remember my neighbour was Jay Scott, and um, you know all all the kids were sort of like sitting around in the room, and I walked in about one a.m. and I'd just been working nonstop. I was exhausted, and you know how they used to pull your bedboards out. And so, you know, when you sit on your mattress, you fall through. So I walked in, and I think all the kids were just watching me, literally all of them. And I was so exhausted. I, I didn't I didn't even realize they were all looking at me at first. And, you know, I could feel the tension. I was like, why are they all gone quiet? And I think at that point, they then all thought, fuck, we fucked up. Like, we don't want to mess with Cave tonight. And I went to sit on my bed. And I just, my ass went straight through it. And all the kids, like, it's like they didn't even laugh because they were just like, wow, like, Cave looks exhausted. Like, we've really gone, pushed the boundaries here. And, you know, like, like now I look back and it's funny. And, you know, they'll, they'll find it funny now. But, like, you could tell that. Um, yeah. And they, and they fixed your bed up and went to, went to bed. Yeah, and I was just like, I lay, I literally fell through, and they were all looking at me, and I was like, you know what, guys, I'm fucked. I don't even give a, sh- you know, I don't even care, and uh, you know, I literally put a. I think one of the kids went and got the bed because he felt bad. Put it in. I went straight to sleep. <laughs> but um, yeah, that that was one of the problems I had some nights. So on my days off, you know, in um, it was in Binghamton, there was a cinema, and it's got these big recliners and, you know, uh, you know, laid back, the big leather chairs. And honestly, I would pay for a cinema ticket. I would go in there. As soon as the film starts, I'm off to sleep, mate. And that was two hours of my time when no one could interrupt me or anything, and I would just sleep. It was amazing. <laughs> Bro, the funny thing is I explicitly remember exactly that. Like not not deliberately doing it, but I remember going to the flicks. Well, like when I was there, it was um, the early early days of Transformers. I remember I watched Transformers there at um, oh, in, very good films. It was, it was in Scranton, not not in Binghamton, mm-hmm. Scranton. I remember on the side of the mountain. Um, yeah, but in, anyway, we went to the cinema and I would go to sleep. Same thing. Would, would you go? Would you like get? 
20 of you or would you just go with one or two friends kind of thing? I guess I guess a lot of the time we'd we'd have we'd be on the the bus, one of those big school buses. So it would usually be like 20, 30 of us. So in each film there'd probably be 10 plus people all go into one film at a time. Yeah, okay. So you you do like a you know, Walmart run then a maybe a movie. Oh yeah, the a, usual. Go for a subway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to go to Wegmans, get a sub. Yeah, okay. So, so twenty years, the shit hasn't changed, bro. Definitely. <laughs> then off to uh, where do you used to go? Like, yeah, I was then going to say, did you used to go Skinner's Falls? Yeah, we used to go to Skinner's. Yeah, we used to go to Skinner's. Um, what else would we do? We'd always stop off at the liquor store on the way home, get a get a dozen Coors Light or something for that night. Um, yeah. And everyone, yeah. everyone chucks it in the bush on the way home. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and it's exactly. like I was only—I think my first year I was—I was twenty in my first year, so I never really did that whole buy buying alcohol and chucking it in a bush sort of thing, and that never really had the need to. But yeah, I always used to find that funny. I was like, "Can we stop so we can chuck it in the bush?" Like, yeah, I think it was why hard. Would you do that? Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think it was hard coming from New Zealand and England as well. We've we've been sorted for three years already, and then we're back to being underage. Um, definitely when I was eighteen, I was battling with that. I was like, "Man, I've lived my whole life. I'm finally on the piss." And then you go to America, and you're back three years away from being on the piss. Um, yeah, and it's a big crime as well out there. Oh, bro! I mean, you remember? You remember the bloody raids, police raids on the point, police raids on the Orson. You know, everybody stays still, checking IDs. Oh, man, that was always one of the biggest stressful things. You know, what's that guy's <laughs> name there? That dude used to, the dude that used Cy? to own the point would get, Sai, Sai would get the big fines. <laughs> who, who knows how true it was, bro? Probably just made it up, but um, I do remember. Yeah, that. I think I think a lot of the stories pro- people probably make up, but I don't know. I think there's a few that go past, but. I mean, I, look, I, I definitely was there when there was raids. Like a hundred percent, that was true. In terms of, they'd turn the lights on and there'd be these dudes with police badges. Um, that was a real thing. But would they would they actually care? Nah, not really. They'd just be putting on a show, scaring you. It wasn't a big deal, really. I'm pretty sure nobody really got fired. Yeah, so it's the same sort of stuff that I used to do, definitely in the days off. And what's your best night out? What's your ideal night out? You get, you know, you're off from whatever seven o'clock sometimes, nine o'clock sometimes. Oh, you had a bit of you had a bit of sway in the end, day, eh? So you'd sort of be able to do what you wanted. Well, you know, I, I think I think a few of my mates joke. You weren't strictly on the seven pm knockoff or anything. Oh like uh, no, I think late later in my camp career, because I, I was sort of doing evening activities every night as well. I, I could never really finish till after evening activities. So I, I'd sort that out and then then be able to go. But like, it didn't really bother me too much because I think my last year or two. I w- wouldn't really go out too much. I think my last year I went out once in the whole summer, uh, which, you know, totally different from my first, second, third, fourth year where I went out every single night. And I think I spent my whole wages in the point, you know, for my first four years at least. Oh, no doubt about it, bro. Definitely. I love doing that. That <laughs> I, bro, that was the best time of my life. We, we, was, the, was the Lake Lorraine open when you were there or not? Was it closed by then? Yeah, Lake Lorraine, it was open my first year. Then I think second year it burnt down. 
Um, yeah, burned down. That, yeah. Lake Lorraine was my like gateway into beer as well. I never drank beer up to Lake Lorraine. Really? I, I mean, I love Lake Lorraine. You can imagine that Lake Lorraine was like, like in this in the scheme of your options, you got the Orson, which is quite a way away. You got Lake Lorraine, and you got the Point, and the Point was like a sort of like a dive bar. And then you've got this sort of venue that could almost pass for a function venue with like a nice balcony over the lake. It was so much better to go there. And there was a dude, there was a bartender there that I was pseudo-friendly with. Bro, you remember how cheap it was? It was insane. I reckon it was like $1.50 beers. Like it would have been more when you were there for sure. But when I was there, like 2007, you know, you could get completely loaded for about eight bucks, bro. Cool. Yeah, I remember um, so we used to drink cheap at the point because mm. I remember out of season as well. We we went we go early and that was like six dollars for a pitcher. But then I know once all the camps started coming, the prices went up a bit. Did they? Yeah. The the the, the big plastic jugs. Yeah. Six bucks. Yeah, yeah. That's that's how much they yeah. were sort of out of season. That's, that's that's insane, man. Did did you ever get dragon shorts? Dragon, bro. Of course. Me and Howard Fox. Yeah. Yeah, they were like the the signature of the point. The, the, house, the house, the house cocktail, so to speak. Yeah, no, nah, definitely. <laughs> that was awesome. Um, I think it's just a like if if you went there now, kind of thing. And I, we can talk about this a bit. We might as well go into it now. If you think back on it now, and if you went there now, I don't know if it's in anyone's best interest, kind of thing. I think it's one of those things that we're just sort of better off leaving to history. To your to your memory, to how you remember it, to how epic it was, to like, you know, it's 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 the same as everything. It's like a function of who you're with, how's the weather, how you're feeling, this, how's the summer going, and then throw in with that like the fact you you know you're in the middle of Pennsylvania and drinking six dollar pitchers. It was just so epic. But if I look at it now as like an adult with a kid and everything like that. You sort of like ah, uh, you know, it probably would be pretty shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's a it's a product of the, of that exact moment in your life. Why it's so cool and why you love it so much? Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think it would always be good, no matter when you go back. Do you? Nah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I like I, I like when I was there, the the three years that were really memorable and I loved, you know, I love love loved was with my boys Gary. Gary Laser, um, Matt Wall, um, and Jordan Mintz, three Canadian boys. Matty Wall, yeah, and he's still there. He's still there, to his credit or discredit. Um, but yeah, we, we just had the best time of our lives, you know. Like we were the four amigos. Just we felt like we were running it. We had a lot of, you know, sway to do anything we wanted. Yeah, and it was just, yeah, you, it, it, we. I felt like we were as close to untouchable as we could have been in the scheme of camp. Um, so, so it was epic, you know. Yeah, it's like where else can you go and just spend that much time with all your best friends, and then you know work as well, get a bit of money, and yeah, you know, it's it's weird the friends you make at camp as well because everyone's working so closely with each other. It's like yeah, you like I've got friends now that like you know live 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 near me and stuff but when you're actually working with people all day every day you go through the same experiences you go through color war like you get to know someone in a few days in color war that you might not you know you know them better than what you might know a friend out of camp for like two years and you'll know that person from color war 
a lot better. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I, I got a, a I, I've been to a buddy's wedding down here. My mate Matt Hapgood, he's in New Zealand because uh, I was working for Camp America in 2006, seven, eight, nine, doing interviews. And I interviewed this bloke and he was he was sort of like, I want to go to your camp. And I was like, all right, sweet. He was good enough. He was a really gun tennis player. So we hired him and Ross hired him and um, he had a good summer. But still now, like we're, we're 13, 14 years after the fact, and he'll he'll reminisce about like for example the alien soccer game. Me, him, and one other New Zealand guy had the guts to take our shirts off and do the haka in front of the whole camp. Like, <laughs> I would never do that in a million years now. I want to see but, that. <laughs> we've got videos, bro. We've got videos of it. I want to see the video. You could always relive that as well when you meet up for a reunion. Yeah, we <laughs> we should, man. I'd love to. I do. I chat about chat about taking my daughter there i don't know if i will or not but i i like the idea of it you know i think people have started to do that a bit like bring their kid bring their kids and once they're old now bring their kids back and they work and the kid comes to camp yeah quite a few people do that i mean i i'm not sure if i'll do it one day i'm not sure um i know like uh one of my friends jules he's been taking his daughter there for quite a few years and uh you know he loves it she loves it um yeah, and it does make me think, you know, like for for us as well, like summer camp thing. I don't know about New Zealand, but in England, you don't really get these sort of summer camps. Was was Jules an, an English guy or was he an American? Yeah, Jules is English. Really? Um, yeah. oh, so there is English English guys doing that. That's epic. Yeah, he's been flying over for a few years, takes his daughter, and they obviously haven't been the last couple of years. But, you know, he's he's got a son now. I'm not sure if he'll go out with his son but yeah it's um you know obviously then you get the the sort of the staff and a lot of the staff have kids and you know like what what a time you know i'd, I'd love to go there and have a, if i had a family go there just spend the whole summer with your kids they're having fun you know someone to babysit them you know when uh you know you want the evenings off like you know and they're happy for that as well <laughs> the, the point's closed now eh? the point is closed I believe so, yeah. I think I saw it up for sale. I reckon they're all closed now, if we think about it. Lake Lorraine burnt down. Did they oh, rebuild that's it? That's reopened, or? though. Yeah, they rebuilt that. Um, we never really went when that was rebuilt, though. But the camp, the campers never went there again? No, we, we, I went there probably like three or four times after that was rebuilt. Was it the same dude that owned it, or was it the same dude, the big fat guy with a mustache? I'm not sure, not sure. You know, one, one thing that... I do miss, and I know, like, myself, like, Robbie, Justin, Tim, like, you know, the sort of group that I went with, we, we always used to talk about, you know, we'll we'll go back to camp and we'll just go to the Orson just for Orson wings and pizza, you know. <laughs> I think the, the memories of, the memories of, like, I always think, was Orson pizza and wings that good or was it just a case of at camp you, you go, you get drained, you're tired, you get hungry at night times and then you have awesome pizza and it's the most awesome thing in the world. And Nah, it's, def- it's definitely that second one. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely the second one. It, it's definitely the second one. Yeah, but, uh, I, okay. I think so as well. We'll never know now unless someone reopens it. <laughs> nah, yeah, we'll never know. But I, I agree, bro. It was just... I don't know. You just go there. They'd inevitably be playing fucking "Don't Stop Believing" or something like that. 
you know, some some anthem from the journey or Bon Jovi or something. You know, you've had you've had a couple of pictures, you're with your best mates, you're dancing and singing to bloody eighties and nineties rock anthems, and then they bring out a pizza. Huh? It's it's gonna be oh, a yeah. mint pizza, bro, because you're already feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I, 100%, bro. I remember that exact thing. Rich Rose, he's coming in, he's getting a dozen wings. We're down there. Um, yeah, I mean, we, we we can talk about legends that we knew, but they're not. There's not too much crossover, so we won't know them. But <clears throat> all right, I wanted to ask you about who the best counselor you ever saw was. Cool, the best counselor I ever saw. You got somebody in mind? It's funny, I was actually thinking, um, I, I don't want to offend anyone. But that's, that's why we do this, man. That's the fun part about it. <laughs> there's there's different people for different reasons, and I can name quite a few. I can name a couple of counsellors that were fantastic, but they got fired, and I can name counsellors that are really responsible and, you know, that they were just all round really good, you know, and then I can name ones that were good role models um, I mean, on, on girls' side, I remember in the Pixies division, there was a few counsellors with, uh, like, there was uh, Poppy Wilkes, Nicole Petch, uh, Hannah. Who else was there? It's got to be the hardest AJ, the Pixies. Yeah, Hannah Cat, And there was, there was another, I can't remember who. Oh, and I think it was, like, I don't know. I remember there was just four girls one year, and they were all brilliant and, like, always engaging the kids. I think it might have been Laura O'Sullivan. They're always engaging the kids and, like, getting them ready to go. And, like, they were awesome. And then I remember in Popeyes um, there was there was a few few counsellors who were a, a little bit wild. Um, you know, they, they were just, like, cool guys. Yeah. You know, I think there was about four yeah. of them. You need them. You need them. Yeah, I mean, honestly, and the, the Popeyes kids, like – these four counsellors, you know, to all the group leaders, you know, they, they looked like they were a bit, you know, they looked like they weren't responsible and, you know, this and that. But, you know, being in Popeyes, I, I witnessed firsthand, like, how much these counsellors were actually doing stuff with the kids. And I thought, wow, like, if they weren't keeping these kids entertained so much, these kids would just be running around camp all night long. But they, you know, some things were a bit, you know, like, guys, like, you can't do this sort of stuff. But, you know, nothing went too extreme or anything. But, you know, I think to the outside world looking in, they'd probably be like, oh, yeah, these these guys are not not doing a good job. But from where I was sitting, I, I saw them every day, and they would just hang out with the kids. And I think that's what the kids wanted, someone to hang out with, not someone to be telling them what to do constantly um, and, you know, being on their case all the time. But, yeah, there's, there's a few. Um, who, would, who would you say was the, the best counsellor you ever saw? Um, that's a hard one, man. I, I mean, it's been a long time for me as well, so I can't remember the – the specific characteristics, I, I 100% see what you're saying. Like, I mean, back in those days when, like, when I was first there, Maddie was 24, right? Me and Matt were 24, same age. We're not 37 like we are now. Um, so he was one of those cool guys, right? He was the golfer. He was a cool guy. He was hanging out. But exactly like you say, he had control through through being a friend. Um, and then there was me, this sort of highly strung New Zealand guy 
I was a group leader and I'm sort of saying, Matt, get this fucking kid in line. And he's like, he is in line because he's my boy and we're hanging out. And it would just, it would be like a Cheech and Chong, good cop, bad cop thing. And after a few weeks, we were like, bro, all right, fine. Let's just, let's just do that. I'll be the bad guy. You be the good guy and we'll keep everything under control. (laughs) Um, So it's Gary, Laser, Matt, like they they were all my boys, obviously, but they did a brilliant job. (laughs) Who else? Michael Scott, I think. He was one of my he was one of my campers originally, and then obviously oh, really? grew up to be a to be a counselor. Um, yeah, I I was I was his um, his brother's counselor. Oh, nice. I went went to stay with him actually. Really nice family. Yeah, bro, definitely. No, they they were very good guys. Um, I think always you sort of brought back some memories, like in those younger age brackets, um, pixies and and scouts and that. They always had foreigners, and it was sort of because number one because the foreigners are a bit older, but also because they sort of came there to be responsible teachers rather than they hadn't they didn't have the baggage of being at camp their whole life where they knew how it goes, so they were a bit better behaved. Um, I mean, Howie Fox was a good was a good counselor. Yeah, there was, there was a bunch of good ones, man. A bunch of not so good ones, but <laughs> we get that everywhere. One thing I remember, I was uh, on on duty at night. We this might have been gone by the time you were there. I don't remember, but we would confiscate a um, Nintendo DS. So some kid would be playing after lights out. You'd be <laughs> over on like Juno or Iroquois or something. You'd confiscate a DS, and then you'd get a network game going, and we're just having these epic Mario Kart battles out from the balconies of the of the uh, uh, from the front balconies of the, of the bunks. Oh, they were the days. <laughs> And, well, and, the, and the other thing I was going to say was, and this was in my earlier years, before I became a leader, you would do that. You'd be playing um, Mario Kart, and then somebody would come past on a golf cart and give you a cheese sandwich, like literally oh, just yeah. bread <laughs> with a slice of cheese in the middle. <laughs> and you know, Sometimes you get a pack of chips as well. <laughs> and sometimes you'd fucking love it, though. You'd be like, "Bro, this is the best thing ever." I just got a, ch-. you know, it was so basic but so American and delicious. I, I actually used to love it. You know, you get a white bread cheese sandwich. <laughs> I, I don't know if if they had it when you were there, but I remember the last year that I like lived lived in with the kids. Um, I was in Popeyes, and they all brought with them like George Foreman's. So. Then, oh, those no. cheese sandwiches were no more. It was a, a cheese toasty after that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, hundred percent. Yeah. And that makes it ten times better than just cheese, just cheese and bread. I don't know if it's a cheese sandwich, but cheese and two slices of bread. Yeah. No, definitely. And then you'd have the, and you'd grab some tomato sauce from the kitchen, and you'd be on the ketchup cheese sandwich. <laughs> that was almost as good as the pizza from the Orson, mate. Ah. Oh. And then top off even better when a counsellor would come back from Macca's with a dollar burger or a slice of awesome pizza. And they offer you a slice and it's like, you're offering me a slice, wow. And then some kid comes along, I'll give you 30 bucks if I can have a slice of pizza. Oh, yeah, he's offering that to me for free. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Man, good memories. Um, Yeah, I mean, we could could go way off topic and we could go way non-PG as well, but... We won't for the sake of the uh, the audience, but I think in summary, it's been a 
you know, if we, <laughs> me and you talk quite regularly despite having never met. You know, I, I tease you about going back, you know, next year <laughs> and, and Matt Wall's like caveman is always a spot for you. Where's your head at in that regard? Well, you've you've got kids now, so I think uh, you know when when are you going to go back? <laughs> I'm not going back, bro. I'm done. But I, I I love it, and I love I love the Moskowitz family. I love Lainey. Um, you know, I I, I remember um, Minna, and I, I Minna, you know, she was a scary lady, right? Um, she'd go around in the gold jumpsuit and everyone would be like, oh, but for whatever reason, just my personality and her personality worked well together where she was real direct with me. I was real direct with her. And on my, you know, I always, I would always get emotional sort of as the buses rolled. Um, even, even before I stopped going, I was like, this could be the last time, could be the last time. And obviously in 2009, eventually it was the last time. But Minna, you know, the, you know, the cold-hearted lady that everybody thought she was comes up to me, gives me a cuddle, and says, "You know, thank you for always being loyal to the Moskowitz family." Literally said that to me, and I was like, "You know, <laughs> as close to a tear rolling as I could have got." I was like, <laughs> that's very nice. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you know I think Min is obviously looking after the camp, so you know she does come across like you know this tough lady. But yeah, I mean, I I've always got on really well there. And, think she's great and uh you know um yeah i think i think you know as, as as long as you work hard at camp as well and you know you're doing a good job and you know like everything's like no no one can really say anything and i think minna recognizes people that who maybe are just just there for you know maybe a bit of fun and then other people who are there to work and you know do their job properly so yeah yeah I mean, I, I don't know you at all, bro, and I can tell now that you're that you were a hard worker. I can tell that from this one-hour conversation that your your primary focus was on the kids having a good time, the kids being safe, and having fun. And that's that's certainly not everybody's motive when they go there, right? Yeah, it's you know, I think I think as I I always say to people like when when I when I start camp every year and you meet the new people. My my advice is always the first two or three weeks work your ass off. Like just you know you don't need to go and get drunk every night. You don't need to do this. You don't need to that. Just work hard. Do it for the kids. Make sure the kids are having a good time. Because if you do the first three four weeks like that, you get in the rhythm and that habit of doing a good job. But then also you've not got people targeting you. You haven't got anyone thinking, oh, he's crap, you know. And as soon as people recognize that you're doing a good job, you know, instantly people will start offering you more opportunities there. People will be like, yeah, do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? And then, you know, that's where the fun is at camp when, you know, you're actually making that impact on the kids and then you know you're not just there doing it as a job you're doing it there for some sort of purpose and then by doing that you know you're then happier because you're doing extra things you know like you know you're a good counselor you come down to the lake and you want to go water skiing you know i'm gonna be like yeah i've seen i saw you earlier like you were doing great with the kids i'll take you water skiing you know if there's someone who's you know shit shitty counselor you come down the lake do you want to go water skiing i'm like um, now I'm probably too busy right now, you know, because you know, you, I think I think just people know who the counselors are, and you know, over the years I've seen some really, 
really good counsellors, really consistent people that are really good, um, good, you know, good all stuff all, 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 all the way around, really, you know. And it's always, always good to see. Yeah. I think um, the funny thing for me is that I, not, not so much anymore because it's been a long time since and sort of professional experience takes over, but early doors, like I would go for jobs and we would talk for 25 minutes about Ken Westmont. <laughs> People love oh, yeah. hearing about it. <laughs> like it, it, it 100%, 100% got me multiple professional jobs as a 24, 25-year-old, that would be like my number one yeah. discussion topic. <laughs> you taught water skiing at a summer camp in America? Yeah. Tell me about it. All right. Here's my story. And I would just be yarning <laughs> for 20 minutes about teaching water skiing. And I would, you know, I would embellish some of the stories and you know, they weren't there. But, yeah, that, that that's that's definitely a benefit as well, um, <laughs> learning to work hard before you play hard kind of thing. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, definitely good. And, you know, when you're doing 70, 80 hours a week, you know, I think I, I have a lot of respect for people who, who work hard at camp. It's good work. Um, I don't know if you've got this either, but, like, a lot a lot of my friends, my best friends are from camp. And, you know, you know we all came out to Australia together. You know, always hang around with each other. And it's funny because we got such a tight group. You know, we're talking about camp all the time. Like any time I'm together with my friends, we're like probably every day. You know, I, I lived with Robbie and Justin for over a year and a half before we came out to Australia, and you know, we talk we talk about camp every single day of the week. And uh, you know, people around us, you know, there's us talking about it, and they they want in on the action, and they're just like, "Wow, like you guys talk about camp a lot," and we're like, "Yeah, because it was freaking awesome." <laughs> Because yeah, you're in a little bubble. But yeah, it probably gets annoying as hell for those sort of people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, bro, I, I, my um, wife went to summer camp and worked for camp leaders in Liverpool. Um, so that's <laughs> you didn't that's meet amazing her camp? on the. I didn't, but bro, it's crazy that she was she was doing camp visits from camp leaders, and she went to Independent Lake at the same time I was there in oh, 2009. Wow. So we were. We were so close to each other three years before we met each other. So you could have seen her in the Orson at some point. Uh, exactly. Literally. She probably stayed the night there. But I, it's it's really a positive to end up with somebody who actually gets the buzz because if you were – like if, if when you find your wife and she doesn't give a shit about your Cam Westmont story, <laughs> she's going to tell you to shut up, right? Whereas oh, Maria yeah, will listen gone. to mine, she's tell me about already. everyone. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Anything? Any other funny stories you want to tell me? No, no, I was just saying because, um, like I said earlier, like I I knew of you because I remember my first couple of years at camp and you featured in Colour War skits and, you know, you were portrayed as the guy that loves camp and, you know, is proper into camp and stuff. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy because, like, obviously we still not met each other in real life, but maybe next week we'll have a beer and uh you know maybe next week and we'll uh, celebrate the release of the podcast yeah i'm in <laughs> melbourne this time next week well i hope it's not locked down though <laughs> no no we'll be right we'll be right we're good to go all right well i think um if you're happy to we'll finish up there bro and we can we can always we can always do a a, a uh, I have to do a part 2 x-rated version another time an x-rated two, version yeah, bro. <laughs> yeah. no no i mean it, it's it's all good we I'd, I'd love to get gary on um or or somebody else i think there's so much to chat about 
was, I mean, bro, there's so many talented guys that I knew from Westmont that have gone on to be like, when I was there, there was uh, this guy, Danny Wiseman and Keith Hyman. And these guys have gone on to be like creative directors. Yeah, I know these guys. You know, genuine. Yeah. Like they're, they're New York City, pretty talented guys, right? And they literally learned their skills, writing skits, writing, you know, color war skits and dances and stuff. Like it's, um, I didn't just go there to have fun, right? They they actually used their skills and went went on to be creative. More my point actually was that it's I'm surprised there isn't, or maybe there is a Westmont podcast series already. Um, like it makes sense there would be, right? You could get Richie Rose on there. You can yeah. get Jay Elias. You can get you know Scotty Freeman. <laughs> Scotty, <laughs> yeah, you can get Scotty Freeman. Scotty Scotty didn't go there when I first started. And then he came across from another camp that I think closed. And then by the time I was there, he was like the most in love with Westmont guy ever. Like, oh yeah, he's really in love with it. Yeah, now he's running it. Is he? I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think he's one of the directors now. Yeah. Really? Where yeah, go, Scott? yeah. Scott's Scott's uh, been been sort of running it, I guess, uh, under Ross still, I guess. But uh, yeah, for about. For four years now, I think. Well, I knew I knew his wife like when she was a camper, right? Oh, Melissa. So, yeah, so we've been yeah. together a long time. Oh, she time. was a camper um, when you were there. Yeah, yeah, first time, definitely, yeah. Oh, so wow. Was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> epic, bro. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, Caveman, bro. We'll catch you soon, and uh, thanks for joining me today. Cheers, Malcolm. Welcome.